Here you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Miss Tori and worship team. One more time, give it up for them. What a blessing they have been leading us into the presence of the Lord. I'm going to preach to you for a little bit of the last sermon on the series of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's funny. Like you could talk about the Holy Spirit until Jesus comes, right? It's like we can exhaust. So we could talk about the Holy Spirit till Jesus comes, right? We can never exhaust the word of God, the spirit of God, and we can never exhaust it. So I'm going to turn this off. I'm not an electrical preacher. I'm a, I'm a paper preacher. One day when I graduate and become a fully mature pastor, I will preach from the, uh, you know, I tried that. When it first came out, I wanted to be relevant. I wanted to be hip and cool. But since I have technological issues, <laughs> I was trying to preach it when I got really good, ready to go. It went blank. And I was like, Master, if you ever anointed me, anoint me now. There's no notes in front of me. And so it didn't, I didn't know how to keep it alive, just to keep touching it, keep messing with it. And um, so it didn't work out for me. But you get the word of God no matter what. Becky House, good to see you, Rebecca, and the baby and your husband. Amen. I want to say welcome your last name, but I can't say good 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 welcome them, would you? It's a wonderful family. We love them. All the way from Kansas City. We love you. Glad to have you. And uh and the rest of you, we're happy to have all of you. And we're gonna talk about people of the spirit. We are. And we're people of the spirit. We're people of the spirit. And the last couple of weeks I've been talking to you about Specific characters and people. We talked about Caleb and Joshua, people of the spirit. When the people who, um, uh, I don't want to say uh, not of the spirit, they were God's people, but they didn't talk God's language. For God told them that they were going to take possession of the land, but they went and inspected the land and then came out and gave a negative report. People of the spirit always give a God report, right? And so we differentiated between the people of the spirit and the people who are carnal minded. And then they didn't even enter in because they had a heart of unbelief. If you keep telling yourself you can't and you won't and you'll never, guess what? You will not, you won't, and you never will. Because your mind begins to believe what your mouth says. And anytime you give your spirit control over your uh, your mind, you'll think and and speak the spirit. But if you give your mind control over your uh, uh, spirit, you will think whatever's in your mind. Are y'all hearing me? And your mind is not what's supposed to be ruling us. We are people of the spirit. And then we went on to David and David, boy, he, he heard the, the, the talk, uh, of, uh, Goliath and all of his bullying. I mean, there's a lot of bullying voices out there, a lot of voices out there and they're bullies and they just bluff and bully people around and they, and they just say words that, uh, they, they just kind of big talk, you know, big talk. You ever heard of a bully? They're big talkers. They just, uh, their, their, their bark is worse than their bite. They're really like a chihuahua. You ever go to the door and it says, beware of dog? And they open the door, it's a chihuahua. I mean, you can step on the little thing. But he thinks he's like a Great Dane or a Rottweiler. But he's just a chihuahua. And if all of you have chihuahuas, this is nothing personal. Please don't write me an email saying you hate chihuahuas. I don't hate chihuahuas. I'm just trying to tell you. The devil is a bully. And his bark is worse than his bite. He has no bite. How many know God, the Holy Ghost, Jesus, went down to hell and kicked him in the teeth? He don't even have any teeth. We are the people of the Spirit. So David said he has no right to defy the name of our God. Who is Dagon? Who is Goliath? My God is the God. Slew him, cut his head off, hung it in his office. I mean, we win. We win. Redemption wins. God wins every time. And people of the spirit know that. So they think that way, Max, and they talk that way, Mark, and they walk that way. They live like they believe. We're living in a culture today that practices one way and believes another. 
I said, they believe one way and they live another. I mean, no, that's not kosher. Literally, right out of the Bible. We do not live that way. So, David destroys Goliath. And then, I didn't really make a whole lot of mention of it last week, but it was just part of the sermon that I enjoyed the most. You know, if you don't enjoy your own sermons, you probably ought to do a, find something else to do. So, David slew Goliath, but not very long after became Goliath. He started believing his own press report. Pride entered his heart. And uh, as he became king in the palace, not the little boy with the crackers and cheese anymore, slaying giants and bears and lions. Now he thinks he's all that and something else. I mean, no, the devil will make you think you're all that. Then when you start thinking it, guess what? You start walking in there. You say, yes, I am. I'm all of that. Look at me. And so it happened that it was uh, springtime when everybody should be at war, but David didn't go to war. He was on the, on the rooftop relaxing. Relax. Relax. In the Hebrew, relax is, is uh, the name Delilah. Isn't that something? Samson relaxed in the lap of Delilah. David relaxed on the... Are you all hearing any, anything I'm saying today? When you start relaxing, letting your guard down, not thinking about the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the God of the Word and the Spirit, people of the Spirit, when you begin to relax, let your guard down, I mean, oh, you better stand tall lest you too, unless the Goliath that you're slaying, you become. So the Bible says he saw Bathsheba and he sent for her. She came. And David thought it was a one-night stand, but it probably would have been, maybe, if she became pregnant. How many know your sins will find you out? Didn't expect that, did you, David? Sin always takes you further than you want to go. Come on now. It leaves you longer than you want to stay. It makes you pay a price you did not want to pay. So now she's pregnant. So he sends another word. Hittite, who was at war. Maybe he comes home and stays and and lays with Bathsheba. Then he would be the cause of her pregnancy and nobody will remember the sin of David. So now he goes from being an adulterer to a murderer. I mean, no, this is all in the Bible. I'm not making it up. You can tolerate it, but God didn't. Because while David thought he was Goliath, the giant in the palace, and he was sending for her and sending to him and sending for Joab to kill him on the front row, uh, front line of the army, God was doing a little sending of himself. I mean, oh, God sent the prophet Nathan. And the prophet Nathan was sent by God. I mean, oh, David wasn't the only one sending. I mean, oh, God will give you an opportunity every time you fall short. Is anybody glad for the grace of God? I mean, he always gives you a way out. He will always give you a way out. The Holy Spirit will always speak to you. Even in your failures, even in your frustrations, even when you don't, don't think God's anywhere around, the Holy Spirit will be there to point out sin and to lift you up when you need to be lifted up, to put you back on the right track. So Nathan said, you're the man. And David wept. He cried out, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. And for all things, please, never take your Holy Spirit from me. Sounded to me like David knew, as a person of the Spirit, how valuable it was to have the Holy Spirit. Is anybody at Oak Grove this morning know how valuable it is to have the, the presence of God and the Holy Spirit residing inside of you? Absolutely. And so today we are people of the spirit. We got one more little person to talk about. But I believe one person filled with the Holy Spirit can make a difference. One person. Doesn't have to be big names. We talked about Moses and Joshua and Caleb and David. Today we're going to look at another one. There was a certain man of Ramathame Zophim of the hill country of Ephraim named Elkanah. First <laughs> Samuel 1.1. 1, 1. Yeah, Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tofu. Maybe it's, you know, I just wanted to misread it so you'll be with me. 
Melissa wanted to go to the restaurant last week, a Chinese restaurant, and eat some soup. And the lady said, there's tofu in it. I said, not for me. She said, I'll take the tofu out. I said, then I'll eat it. No tofu for me. No tofu there either. That's tohu. All right. And he's a son of that guy, Zuff. And he was an Ephraimite. And that's it. I'm not reading anymore. Because those names were put there to embarrass every preacher of the gospel. <laughs> Maybe I will read some more. Well, this guy, uh, you don't really know about him. He seems like a no-name, which is why I want to give him as the last sermon. Because we think when we read the Bible, it's all about big names like Moses and David and Caleb and Joshua. Right? But Elkanah, who is this guy? Well, let's look at it. He had two wives. First mistake. I mean, oh, God never intended us to have two wives. Yeah, okay. Well, you go in and study it yourself. Uh, he had two wives, one named Hannah, which was a good one, and another named Penaniah, uh, uh, Penaniah, whatever her name is. And, um, and she had children, but Hannah had none. That ought to tell you a lot right there. It's very, very, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's like in comparison to Sarah and Abraham, right? Very comparisons. Like you see some of the same things happening often in the scriptures repeated. The Old Testament is for us to learn something. How many came to learn something today? I hope you can learn something about the Holy Spirit, what it means to be a no-name person. How do you live life? How do you get through? How do you exist? How do you survive without the Spirit of God? So this man went up from his city each year to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh. Tells you something else. He was a man of God. Hophni and Phinehas. The two sons of Eli were priests to the Lord there at Shiloh. When the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, there's a second thing you can see about him. He wasn't just attending church. He brought a sacrifice. Amen? And he would give portions of the sacrificial meat to uh, Peninnah, uh, his wife, and all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a what? Double portion because he loved Hannah. But but the Lord had given her no children. Hannah's rival provoked her. That's the other lady. Sound like Sarah and Hagar, doesn't it? Hannah's rival provoked her bitterly to irritate and embarrass her. I mean, oh, that's like the devil. He comes along to irritate, frustrate, intimidate, and embarrass us. If we're not careful, we'll be a laughing stock of God's chosen people of the spirit so she irritated hannah bitterly because the lord left her childless so it happened year after year somebody shout year after year year after year this is very important if you don't think it's sacrilegious to write in your bible underline it year after year whenever she went up to the house of the lord how I many know it's important to be faithful to the house of the lord if you're people of the spirit you should go year after year, week after week to the, to the house of the Lord. They were faithful. They were faithful, childless and faithful. It's easy to be faithful when everything's going your way. Hannah's rival provoked her and she went year after year. Peninnah, she provoked her. So she wept and would not even eat. Then Elkanah, her husband said to her, Hannah, why do you cry? Why do you not eat? Why are you so sad and discontent? Am I not better to you than ten sons? I'm your man, woman. Don't cry. You still got me. And she wept even more bitterly. Verse 9. Now, I made that last part up. <laughs> hey, if you can't listen, at least you can be entertained. Verse 9. So Hannah got up after eating and drinking in Shiloh. And now Eli, here goes. The high priest was sitting on his seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. And Hannah was greatly distressed, and she prayed to the Lord, and she wept in anguish. She made a vow, saying, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction, the suffering of your servant, and remember and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son, then, here's the vow, 
I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And a razor shall never touch his head. A Nazarite vow, much like Samson's. A razor never going to touch his head. Verse 12, now it happened when she continued praying before the Lord that Eli was watching her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, in her mind. Watch this. Only her lips were moving and her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. She was evidently controlled by something. But Eli was missing it. Amen. Don't be drunk with wine where is in excess. Come on now. But be filled with the spirit. This is what I think was happening. Eli said to her, how long will you make yourself drunk? Excuse me. Get rid of your wine. Anna said, well, you must be drunk. No, she said, no, my Lord. I'm a woman with despairing spirit. Uh, I'm, I'm hurting, grieving. I have not been drinking wine or any intoxicating drink. I poured out my soul before the Lord. How many ever did that? How many ever poured your soul out to the Lord? No, how many people here ever got to the place where you were so down, so low, that people thought you were out of your mind because you were just praying in the spirit? I tell you, when I see people most blessed is when they're most hurting. I don't know why it is in America that when people get down and hurt, I mean pain comes in their life, they'll hit the altar. Otherwise, you'll never see them. Only time to come to the altar is whenever they have a need. I mean, no, God is more than that. We are people of the Spirit. I'm glad that when we have weaknesses and needs, we can call on a God that answers and have the Holy Spirit to help us in our weakness and even pray through us. That's what I think Hannah was doing. I don't know what you think. No, I'm not drunk. I poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your maidservant. As wicked and worthless woman. For I have spoken unto now out of my great concern and bitter provocation. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. Hannah said, let your maidservant find grace and favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad. The family got up. Early the next morning, worshiped before the Lord. The whole family did. I mean, it's good to take your whole family to church. The whole family got up early, worshiped before the Lord, and returned to their home in Ramah. Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife. That is very, very, that word to know is yada, very, very intimate knowledge. He knew her, and the Lord remembered her prayer, and it came about in time. Nine months later, Hannah conceived, or she conceived, Uh, Right there. And then nine months later, she gave birth to a son. And she named him Samuel, saying, because I've asked for him from the Lord. Father, bless the word of the Lord today. May we walk out of here understanding as people of the spirit what it's like. How can Elkanah survive his situation? How can we be controlled by the spirit in such a godless world? In Jesus' name, and everybody said. How many believe God can touch us? How many believe God can get a hold of us in such a way we live our life, surrender completely our entire life? When Melissa and I first got saved, uh, it wasn't uh, long. We got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, she was baptized uh, in the Holy Spirit earlier. But but she said this when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. She said, uh, explaining the Holy Spirit baptism, she said, at salvation, God, all things become new. But when you're baptism of the Holy Spirit, she says, that's when God takes care of our future. So at salvation, we've been bought with a price. Our life is not our own. That's why we surrender our life to him. At the baptism, if the Holy Spirit takes charge, he controls everything. From that moment on, how many know he wants to control your life? And if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Just because you got saved didn't mean you came into perfection. We're being sanctified. Sanctification is taking place. We, we've been sanctified. But, but listen, we've been, we talked about sanctification in this series, but we're not yet glorified. I know we still have to deal with us and our flesh. 
But when we're controlled by the Spirit, it's a life of joy and peace and hope. It's a blessed life. Amen? One that is completely surrendered. And so today, to be a Spirit-filled Christian is to, to know the benefit of turning your entire, your entire life over to God. How many is ready to give God your entire life? See, at salvation, some people want to come in and make a decision. But at the baptism, how many know he's decided you're, he's going to make you a disciple? It's one thing to be a new convert. It's another thing to be like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit comes in us. And is this making sense to anybody? The Holy Spirit comes in and takes control over our life. And our spirit tells our mind and our body what to do, not the other way around. And if you'll live by the spirit, walk in the spirit, your mind won't play games and tricks on you. Because your mind tells your body what to do. I said your mind controls your body. That's why Satan is always playing with your mind. He's messing with your mind. It's a battle that's there. And if he can get you to believe a lie, do you know what's going on in our culture today? People have taken truth and actually chosen to believe a lie. They exchange a truth for a lie. Then they begin to believe the lie. That is called deception. That is the ultimate deception. It's self-deception. It's one thing if somebody else deceives you. It's another thing if you believe the lie so much that your mind tells your spirit So your spirit should tell your mind you're made in the image of God. But if your mind tells your spirit you are who you think you are, how many know you're in trouble? Now your mind is controlling your spirit and body. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why people are losing their mind. It's abnormal thinking. So you have abnormal behavior. Are y'all listening to me? All right. So so here we are. Elkanah is it? Isn't uh, some of those people, you know, like David and Elijah and Daniel, they, they burst on the scene, they slay giants, they call fire down from heaven, they, they, they survive a den of, of lions. No, none of that. None of that. He's just a regular person, a regular guy, not high profile. He sometimes stands in the shadow of his wife, Hannah. We never hear about Elkanah. We only hear about Hannah. But how many know behind every Hannah is a man of God? Ought to be. Come on now, behind every successful husband is a surprise mother-in-law. And behind every godly woman, there ought to be a godly man. Amen? Okay, maybe if they're married. If they're not, well, you know, you can change your world by yourself. But he lived in a wicked generation. He changed his world. He lived in what we might consider a difficult season, a perilous time. Elkanah. And the world was ugly. It was unholy. It was disobedient. There was no king in Israel. Scripture says everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Morality was subjective. Right and wrong were fluid. What was wrong seemed to be right. What was right seemed to be wrong. You know anybody like that in our day? I mean, we're living in that day. Perilous times, Timothy said. Paul said to Timothy, perilous times. Men shall be lovers of themselves, hateful and greedy and malicious, and vicious, and vulgar, and abnormal. And that's where we are, and that's where he was. Not only was his world wicked, generation he lived in, the church was corrupt. Eli, though, was a high priest, but he was a he was lax. He let down his guard, too. And I tell you, when pastors and leaders let down their guard, change their standards, lower their standards, how many know everything and anything? can happen. So why are leaders doing that today? Well, they want to appease the crowd, want to be a man pleasers, right? I've had pastors tell me, well, Brother Ron, they're just not coming to church. They're just not coming to church. So we started, you know, the circus, circus in the church. I mean, oh, you can do the circus. That doesn't mean they're coming to church. They're just coming to the circus. But we began to believe that if you'll put on a circus, they'll come. And if you fill up the seats, that's success. I don't care if we fill every seat in here. If they're coming to a circus, they're coming to a circus. We talked to somebody this morning. We have people giving away. You can give away anything and everything. One guy in Louisiana gave $5 to everybody came. Big record-breaking day. 
It's for real, America. If Chick-fil-A gives out a biscuit, four little bitty pieces of chicken biscuit, like it's like a mini, it's like a mini biscuit with a piece of mini chicken on it. But there's a line all the way from Glenstone down to Evangel. Why? Because it's free. It's free. I know just because it's free doesn't mean it's right. Now, I'm in the line at Chick-fil-A, by the way. Cause I do like me some Chick-fil-A biscuit. So I don't want to, I don't want to preach it too heavy where I can't, if y'all see me in the line at Andy's or Chick-fil-A, I don't want to get under conviction. What I'm trying to say is whatever it takes to get somebody in your church is what it's going to take to keep them in your church. You can give out skateboards and bicycles all day long, but how many know the thing we ought to be given is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the word of the living God, the truth, the power of God, the spirit of God, the altar of God, where they can come and get healing and hope and life. Give them truth and the truth. So Eli, he was lax and allowing evil to be done in the house of the Lord. His two sons served as priests in the temple, but their hearts were far from God. The Bible says they were offering strange fires on the altar. They stole sacrifices that belonged to the Lord and even seduced women who came to the temple for worship. What? Yeah, that's what was happening. And Hannah stayed upset and depressed. Not for long, though. He had family issues, too. Two wives caused problems. One of his wives had children. The other one did not. And uh, the one who had children cruelly taunted Hannah about childlessness. And Hannah stayed upset and depressed. And Elkanah had little peace in his own house. He had no peace in his world. He had no peace in the church. He had no peace in his own house. Yet he's a man of the spirit. Can I tell you, you can still be a spirit-filled Christian, full of the Holy Ghost, and have the peace of God, even when everything around you is corrupted. I mean, oh, this church can stand and praise and worship God in the middle of a wicked generation, in the middle of a carnal church, a culture that's carnal, and yet you can still stand and be counted and be worthy to praise him and worthy. He's worthy to receive the praise. Amen? It's my point. We're not worthy. He's worthy. God doesn't react because of the wickedness around us. He reacts because of the faith that's in us. You see what I'm saying? So if your if your worship is wishy-washy, if your faithfulness is wishy-washy, half-hearted, uncommitted because of the stuff around you, you're going to do like many people and give up. But not Hannah. Not Hannah. Not Elkanah. He faced trouble in the world, in the church, and even in his home. It seemed nothing was going right for him. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? We live in a very, very wicked season. Very weak and anemic, anemic church. Maybe you even have dysfunction in your own family. All of us do. All of us do. Come on, don't be so high and mighty and pious. Everybody's got somebody in the family you wish didn't come over for Thanksgiving. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you have issues too. We all do. We all have them. Don't be like that. You know you have people you wish you didn't have. But they're yours. God bless you. He gave them to you. See how you would handle them. I mean, God even had Judas. Jesus even had Judas at his table. So not everybody around you is for you. (laughs) Yeah, you need the Holy Ghost. Somebody ought to get that. So all God needs is one person. Amen? One person. Maybe. I'm here to tell you, God is able to change your story. Sure, change Elkanah's. All God needs is one person committed wholeheartedly to him. It changes everything. He was the man for the season. He was all in for God. The translation of his name is God purchased or God possessed. Elkanah was God possessed. You've heard of demon possessed? You've seen manifestations, maybe. I have. I've seen it overseas, demon manifestations. I've seen them in America. And the day is coming where you'll see more and more of it. Right now, it's suppressed and hidden. But how many know when it gets darker, it'll come out and be very visible and vocal? Right now, it's hidden in political 
things. But how many know that day is coming where the enemy is going to come out right out and tell you, in God, we do not trust. Taking it off our coins, taking it out of our constitution, bylaw, everything, everything's changing. How many know things are changing in America? Going backwards, we're going backwards. But how many know we better stand up and be counted and put God back in this place? Starts, starts in the house of the Lord. Starts in your heart, then it starts in the house of the Lord. I, ta- I started with the wicked generation, the wicked, the wicked world, right? And then the church and then the family. But when it goes back to recovery, how I many know it starts in your heart, then your family, then the church and then the world. Judgment starts in the house of the Lord. That's where it's going to happen. Next, um, uh, week, I think on Sunday nights, Mark is going to start that constitution series. Uh, I was going to do another series before he started that, but I think it's a right time right now for God's people to learn about the constitution and how it lines up with the Bible and not the other way around. I mean, it was a Bible first constitution second. Help me out here. But God's people don't know nothing about the Bible. They don't even know anything about the constitution. So we're definitely at a deficit. So it's not wrong for God's people to learn what the United States of America was built upon. So thank you, Mark. Help me appreciate him. Before we ever get started, thank you for teaching that. It's a series that Tammy Walton had. He's going to be showing that video. It's eight weeks long. We got eight weeks to the end of the year on Sunday nights, plus some missionaries and some other things. And we got to eat Thanksgiving dinner. It's free. But Elkanah was God-possessed. So when someone's demon-possessed, they're literally controlled. Faces contorted. Voice comes out. It's a demon spirit in them that's, uh, that's speaking. When somebody is God-possessed, oh, I wish somebody would help me out here. <laughs> How many know your face ought to change if you're God-possessed? Your speech ought to change if you're God-possessed. Your life ought to change if you're God-possessed. And here's a God-possessed man. <laughs> Holy, owned by God, bought with a price. Amen? He's bought with the blood of Jesus. And he's filled with the Spirit of God. And now he's possessed. So what does it mean to be controlled by the Holy Spirit? Uh, well, I told you all of this stuff. I told you all of that. He was possessed by the Holy Spirit, meaning wholly owned by God, bought by the blood of the Jesus and filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to be, to be controlled by the Spirit of God. Number one, never face their problems alone. I mean, oh, when you have the Holy Spirit, you don't have to go it alone. I mean, oh, he's the paraclete. He's the one coming alongside of us. He's the comforter. Has anybody found him to be good to you? Never alone, never alone. Jesus said it's important that I leave you physically so I can send the spirit to you. That way you'll never be alone. And and Elkanah couldn't fix his world. Pastor Ron can't fix our world. I mean, our world needs Jesus. I can't fix our culture. I can't even fix the assemblies of God if it needs fixing, and I think they could use an adjustment. But half of our churches are debating whether they ought to drink alcohol or not. The other half don't know whether you can be filled with the Spirit and tongues is the evidence. I mean, we got some issues even in our own family. And thank God at the headquarters, we're still staying on the straight and narrow. The 16 doctrines are still the 16 doctrines of truth. If ever they go off of that, listen, you don't have to worry. You don't have to see the news. <laughs> if ever they go off of the 16 doctrines, I will be front and center with you. And straight up, goodbye. You know why? Because I am more involved in the God of the assemblies than I am the assemblies of God. I want God. I am God-possessed, not assembly-possessed. Now, I do have an Assembly God wife. She has credentials. I have an Assembly God watch. My kids are both Assembly God kids, and my grandkids are all three Assembly God grandkids. We go to Assembly God church, Assembly God camp. I got Assembly God credentials. So I ride in the Assembly God boat. 
But if they go and capsize, how many know I'll find me another boat? That's not a threat. That's just a promise. Can you say amen to that? I'm sure all of you all there. Now, you can stay. But how many know our world right now is contemplating gender issues and all kinds of confusion? It's very clear to me. It's very clear to me the word of God is still true, right? I'm not confused. But what does it mean to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, being God-possessed? You don't face problems long. It's good. It's a good thing because there's some things I cannot fix. Elkanah couldn't fix Hannah. He wanted her to have a child. She wanted a child. He saw her weep. He saw her get to the point where she could not even sleep or think or eat, sick with grief. But she couldn't have a child. And some of you know that feeling right now. You know what it's like. He couldn't fix it. He couldn't give his barren wife a child. He couldn't bring peace in the home. Disease does come. I said sickness comes to people. If I could, if I could have cured Alzheimer's, I'd have cured my mama and my mother-in-law. I couldn't do it. I can't fix it. But how many know God knows all about it? My next series starting next week is God Knows. How many believe God knows? Hey, hey, whether I know or not doesn't matter. God knows all about it. And he is still God. And so if you believe that you're filled with the spirit of God and you're possessed by God, couldn't give his barren wife a child. He couldn't bring peace to his home. He couldn't change. He couldn't change his church. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't even a minister. He had no authority to make changes in the house of God. And yet he knew there was some things going on. And it was ridiculous to think an ordinary man like Elkanah could change the world. People wonder what a difference, what one person can do. The truth is, how I many know one person sold out to God can make a difference in this world? One person. What a difference a person can make. What a difference a day can make. I have a brother who was 34 years old. I'm going to put this out of the way. Melissa hates it when I play with it. It's kind of a habit. I'm supposed to be teaching homiletics one, the art of preaching next week. And so I've got rid of it because I don't want them to know that I played with that while I was preaching. My brother was 34 years old and he was electrocuted. He worked for a swimming pool company and he, uh, the pump got shorted. He was cleaning the pump, the, the pool out and the pump had a crack in the case of it shorted out and electrocuted him. And he lost, wow. I think he was dead for eight minutes, lost oxygen to his brain for eight minutes, left him in a veg kind of state. What a difference a day can make. A healthy 34-year-old golden glove boxer from Louisiana now can't even speak because it burned all of his vocal cords. His body shrunk up all up like that to break his legs and break his arms, straighten him out. He had gangrene in his hip. Had to clean him up and clean him out. And now he, he lives behind my mother's house for 20 years until he died. Couldn't utter a word. What a difference one day can make. I mean, you don't know what your future holds. But God does. And you don't know what this wicked world's going to do. But God does. And you don't know what corrupt leaders might be going on in the culture, Christian culture today. But God knows. I mean, oh, he's the best record keeper that ever was. You don't have to worry about all of them. And you can't bring life. Only God can. And you can't take life. Only God can. How many know it best to just submit your life and be controlled by God? In every way, it's a powerful thing, a difference that you can make. You're called. You're chosen. How many believe this? You're set apart for a purpose. You have a destiny. God has plans for you. What a difference somebody who's filled with the Spirit can make. If you'll surrender your life just completely because of this one God-possessed man, things started to change. And I'm almost done. You got 15 minutes for those who've taken medicine. God changed his family. God changed his family. How did it happen? Well, regularly he took his family to worship. I mean, oh, it pays to take your people to the house of the Lord. 
You never know what day God's going to show up in his time and for such a time as now bring healing to your body or hope to your family or a miracle in your finances. You just keep on showing up to God's house and God will show up in his time. He came to church regularly. It was a messed up place. He went anyway. If you're waiting to go to church to find the perfect church, you'll never go to church. I'll tell you what, there's not a perfect church. If Oak Grove was perfect, I messed it up 20 years ago or so. So there's no perfect place. You don't go to church because it's perfect. You go because it's God's plan for your life. You don't go for the pastor for sure. You go because God ordered us to go. Honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. I mean, if that's not your number one motivation, then it's going to be something easy to get you out. I mean, if God is the reason you're in, there's nothing going to get you out, right? Amen. That's the preach pastor. So he went because he was obedient to the law of God. He went because God deserved worship. Honor the Sabbath. Never allow man to keep you from the house of the Lord. Would you lift your hands to the Lord just right now? Just say, thank you for my church, God. Come on, say, thank you for my church. Thank you for the house of the Lord. Thank you for the place I can go and worship you. She's not perfect, and she may be a little anemic and weak and sick, and uh, but she is your house. She is your bride, and, and uh, we are there because we're walking in obedience. One day, Elkanah and his family were in God's house. The Spirit of God started working on Hannah's heart. She had been depressed and miserable and angry because she was barren. But this day, instead of focusing on her trouble, she found a place in the temple, a place probably at an altar. There is a place in God where you can find hope. Does anybody believe that today? Hey, we ought to create an atmosphere in church. Melissa and Ron Moran's idea, our, our whole goal for church, leading the church, is to create an atmosphere conducive for you to find God. Take away the altar, you'll never find him. You'll never have a place. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that we have a place right here. You have troubles, come. If you just want to praise him, come. Right? That's why he was there. She found a place in the temple, and the Bible said she poured her soul out to God. I don't know how many times when I first got saved, I poured my soul out to God. Day after day, week after week, week after year, year after year, the Bible says year after year. I love that. They didn't go one year to church and stop. We got some people go to church a year, six months. Oh, I'm just trying the church. I'm just trying the church. Let's see if it meets my need. Nah, it didn't meet my need. I'm going to go to another one. Guess what? They're not going to meet your need either. Because your need is not church. Your need is Christ. Big difference. And so I went to the altar. I didn't know my pastor that well. Okay, I didn't know the church that well. I just come out of religion. I was so glad to be saved. Is anybody here glad to be saved? Come on, let me see your hand. You're really, really thankful for transformation, for salvation, for the joy of the Lord, for a brand new life, for the new hope in Jesus. My goodness, I had a wife to be. Couldn't believe somebody was going to marry me. What a woman of faith. Went to the altar every Sunday night and wept. I'll never forget my pastor coming laying hands on me. And big old hot tears fall on my neck. Man, there's no feeling in the world like that. To have a place where you can be loved, prayed for, cared for. Man, the temple of the Lord, right? She found an old-fashioned altar. She was passionate. She was desperate. She became God-possessed like her husband. It's true that Elkanah couldn't fix Hannah, but God could. I mean, oh, God can take a barren womb and make it fruitful. He did it for Sarah. He did it for Hannah. He did it for others. Amen. He's done it for some of you that are in this house. When they said you couldn't, your doctor said you cannot have a child, and there a child sits. Why? Because only God. Only God can bring life. Only God can take life. 
So if your life is possessed by God, controlled by God, well, whether you can at the moment or not, hold on to God's unchanging hand because it's not over yet. God just waiting on the right time. And if you'll go to the altar and pour out your soul to God, how many know miracles can happen when you make God's house a priority? Your marriage can change. Your family can change. Your finances can change. Your faith can change. Your future can change. Your friends can change. Don't give up on the child of God. Don't give up on the house of God. In a Pentecostal church, that would have preached. You may not be able to fix what's wrong in your family, but when you're God-possessed in obedience, I mean, oh, God will do the rest. Honestly, folks, it wasn't Joshua who conquered Canaan. And it wasn't David who took down Goliath. We only give so much credit. <laughs> we give so much credit to the person and not enough to God. I mean, oh, it's God who took Canaan. Do, do you really think Joshua and the people of God took the wall down by their shout? Do you really think that David took Goliath? Or do you think that when he walked in obedience and that God took the rock? Pow. Oh, come on now. God takes your swing and his thing, and he does it. He does it. God does it. God does the miracle. God does the thing that we're amazed with. Not David, not Joshua, not Ron Moran. He, t- he partners with us. And God changed, God changed his family. He changed his church. Miraculously, Hannah and Elkanah were blessed with a son. Samuel was raised in the temple. He eventually took over as high priest. Or, or the, you know, he, he was, he was the first prophet of Israel. And he brought truth and righteousness back into the house of God. The miracle God gave Elkanah's family spilled over and changed the church. So it went backwards. It changed, changed the mama got healed. Uh, and I, here's the reason why I believe. I believe God, when she made a vow and said, God, if you'll give it to me, I'll give it right back to you for your glory. Let me tell you how to live a spirit-controlled life. When he gives you power and authority and blessing and anointing, just give it right back. Give it right back. That's what Abraham did. Father, if you give me a son, then your word will be, the promise will come to pass. See, he was only standing on the word. But when he, when he got the son, you know, God said, okay, now give me the son back. Go up to Mount Moriah. Offer him up as a sacrifice. But no, oh, no, wait a minute. Now I'm conflicted <laughs> because you said, I don't know. <laughs> Father, I don't know how you're going to have a promised seed. If I kill him. But that's why he's called the father of faith. Because he did it anyway. All the way. Until the Holy Spirit. I mean, you got to listen to God all the way. You got to listen to God all the way. If he wouldn't have listened to the Holy Spirit, he might have done something that he shouldn't have done. But when the Holy Spirit said, stay your hand, he stayed his hand. And God provided a ram. I mean, it takes faith. It takes faith to walk with God. And Hannah said, I'll give you him. Give him to me. I'll give him right back for you. And as soon as she weaned him, you read the whole chapter. As soon as he was weaned, she brought him to the house of the Lord. And she left him there all the days of his life. And God used Samuel, the gift to Hannah and Elkanah, to be the prophet, the one who anointed Saul, the first king, who anointed David, the second king. Samuel, a word of God came. Remember before Samuel, no word of God. After Samuel, we have a prophet of God and the word of God. So now his family's changed. Now his church has changed. And now the whole generation is changed. Wow. Wow. So the miracle God gave spilled over and changed the church. What is God up to this morning? Who is he? Who is he speaking to today? Who's here today that will believe him and see the miracle come to pass that will change the future of this church and your family and that culture forever? God changed his church. I said, God knows how to take care of his church. You know, as a pastor, we are sometimes we would, uh, we're leaders. We want to be control freaks. Some of you are control freaks. Don't look at me like that. 
we want to control everything. We, we, we want everybody to be controlled by what we do inside. That's what's wrong with our government. Come on, right now they want to control everything. What you eat, what you drink, where you go, what you do. I mean, oh, we better get a hold of that thing. Oh, you're going to re- re- totally regret that. But God will change his world. He knows at the right time. Samuel became a prophet, a God-possessed leader. He retaught God's law to Israel. Under his leadership, Israel was victorious over the Philistines, experienced decades of peace. He anointed, he anointed Saul. He anointed David. His influence on the nation and the kingdom of God was incalculable. Big. All God needs is one God-possessed man or woman. Obedient to God no matter what. One God-possessed student who speaks up even when it's tough. One God-possessed couple who dedicates their marriage and their children to the Lord. Will you be that one? Here's the answer. Will you be that one? God changes family. He changes church. He changes world. Who or what is controlling your life today? Are you controlled by the spirit of the living God? Now, this morning, we had a wonderful time in prayer. The presence of the Lord was here early this morning, 730. I mean, he's here before we get here. And he'll be here when we leave. Because he's God. And guess what? God cares about your family. He cares about your church. And he cares about your culture. He really does. So when are we going to give him control of our life? When are we going to give him the, the worship he deserves? When he says yes to me? When he does good for me? When he only does, when I get my way? I wonder if you're going to give him the worship he deserves. Even if he don't meet the needs you think you have. Because, see, you don't even know your own needs. God knows. And I'm not going to dip into next week's sermon, but uh, this, this, this is how it is. Jesus had a vision and a passion for the ones. One woman at the well, right? Woman with the issue of blood. One, one man, Zacchaeus, in the tree. You come down. I'm going to your house. I'm about to take possession of your life, son. So I want Tori and the gang I want them all to come back. I want our prayer partners to come up. I want you to stand with me this morning. We got five minutes, five minutes to deal with this issue. Everybody, please stand this morning, please. It can start right now if you give yourself completely to the Lord. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, this is a great day, labor day, to quit laboring and working, trying to serve God and start resting and just give your heart over to Jesus. These prayer partners will pray with you if you want to give your hearts to Jesus today. But when you get God-possessed, controlled by the Spirit, it brings anointing. It brings generational blessing. Are you hearing me? It turns the destiny of God that had planned for you and your family into reality. Everything you might have dreamed about can come to pass now. Nothing's impossible for God. Nothing's impossible for a God-possessed person. Mary, Mary, you'll hear about it next Wednesday. If we get to Mary in time, we got a lot to cover in the life of Christ in four weeks. Pray for pastor. He put down a four week series of the life of Christ. Can you imagine that? That's like impossible other than God. But Mary, the Lord said, Hey, highly blessed, favored woman. She said, let it be to me, your servant, however you wish. I think that's what Hannah said. Would you lift your hands to the Lord this morning?